All right, episode four, Hector Estrada. We are going to get started in three, two, one. You like those production qualities, Hector? Yeah, this is amazing. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Trade Geek Podcast, where I reluctantly have Hector Estrada on video. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think what you first have to understand and come to grips with is that Hector and I both suffer from the intense crushing weight of being incredibly handsome men. Yeah, true. True story. Yeah, we were in Hong Kong once. Mm-hmm. With uh, with one of our clients, mm-hmm. and you had to go buy squishies. Do you remember that? Yes, I did. Squishies, and you had to buy uh, those little spinning gadget thing. Get spinning gadget. Yeah. So we're in Hong Kong with the ladies' market. Yes. And um, Hector, I don't think you'd ever really uh, barter, not bartered, but like bickered with a, with someone about price before. Uh, not someone in Hong Kong, but yes, yeah, I okay. agree. It was a different experience. So we had spent the past couple of days working on client stuff. And then with our free time, we, um, we got you some suits. Yes. Which was pretty awesome. Do you Very still, awesome. You still have them? Love them. Love them. Yes. My yeah. favorite suits by far. Shout out to Sam's, Sam's in Hong Kong. Shout out to Sam's. Yep. Sam's Taylor. Yep. And uh, so we had to go and I said, we'll go to the ladies market. And you're like, uh, and I think um, Yvette had been to Hong Kong a couple of times, right? Yes. Yeah. She had. Yeah. So uh, Hector and I get on the subway and we, we roll to the ladies market. Mm. with like a pocket full of dollars i mean just, yes you know just two stud muffins with our yeah baseball hats on backwards and we go rolling in there so i tell hector you can't just accept whatever number these women give you that's right Hector's like, what are you talking about i'm like you gotta, gotta negotiate man he's like oh yeah okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. so there were these toys that your three beautiful daughters yes we're all into called squishies Yes. And this is what I wish I had like a producer right now to put up on the <laughs> of what these stupid, silly things were. There were these little, they were like, um, <clears throat> they were renderings of all kinds of things from like an egg to a piece of bacon, like a so- they were- ice cream cone. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> and they were made of this material that you could just like squeeze they had the hell out of and they'd always come back into their shape and for whatever reason there was a period in time when unfortunately kids really liked these damn things it was it's those that same material that you put in those little things where you put the earplugs in your ear right very yeah. similar yeah so we go to the ladies market and and hector and i come across the mother load of squishies that's right and uh so we're negotiating and they also had the fidget spinners yeah, because Hudson wanted fidget spinners and, and Charlie wanted to bring him to school. I'm like, all right, cool. Let's work this lady. We're yeah. And so she wanted, I think she started off at like 500 Hong Kong. And you're like, 500 Hong Kong. What's wrong with you? And and, uh, and she comes back with, okay, 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 okay. Handsome boy. Was a handsome boy? Handsome boy special. Handsome boy discount. I will give you the handsome boy discount. And I'm like, what about me? She goes, oh, oh, oh. Double handsome, D- double boy. handsome boy schedule. Yes. <laughs> and so we got it. I forget we got it down to. We got it to this. We walked away like two times. And, just oh, my bag was stuffed with squishies and yeah, man, we, got we felt off. we felt like the bells of the ball. Yeah, and because we kind of were to be frank. Well, yes, we were. Yeah, and um, we came away with that. So, you know, um, for those of you that that don't know, Hector and I worked together for um, quite a while. We were at Expeditors together, yep. we were Robinson together. We were yep. 
wine together. We were in yep. Spain together. Yeah. Uh, and now I am, uh, I am a crow and you didn't come with me. Um, no, cause you're selfish and horrible, but, uh, <laughs> uh, Hector is not only a very good friend of mine. He is also a customs house broker and yes. he is, um, my resident expert on all things in Mexico, which yes. like, like when a white guy in New Hampshire says that, it just automatically <laughs> sounds racist. It's a not, little bit, but and I know it's not. Yes, but it's not, true. That's not what I'm going for. Like um, Hector and I go to Mexican food restaurants a lot, and um, we have a number of rules about the Mexican joints we go to. So yes, rule number one, it has to have been something before it was a Mexican restaurant. It has to be clearly you have to drive by and think to yourself, that looks like an old KFC or an old Jack in the Box or an old Long John Silver. That's when you know you're hitting the money, the honey pot. Or an old car wash. An old car wash, (laughs) an old laundry mat, yes. Um, Nail salon. Nail salon would be excellent. Um, No one can speak English at all. Yes, yes. uh, Even if they can, they don't. Yes. Um, the, the menu cannot be in English. Yes. Uh, and I have to feel both threatened yes. and isolated all at once. Yes. Because and salsas have to be in abundance. There has um, to be salsa yeah. options in abundance. Yes. Because here's what goes down, right? So we walk into some seemingly normal Mexican place and <laughs> Don't get it twisted. I love Mexican food, and I know a thing or two, right? But Hector and I sit down, and the, and the menu comes out, and he's like, mm, I don't think so. And so yeah, you don't even show me that. Don't even show me the menu. So over will come the, the, um, the, the waiter or the waitress, and Hector just starts ordering something completely preposterous that is not on the menu. They probably yes. don't, you know, it's not even have a name. It's just like, I want you to take four different things and shove them together. <laughs> And then stick them on a plate with some tamales and a couple of tortillas, and we're good. Yeah. Do well, we try to try to keep them on their toes, and we want to see how authentic they are, and we try to, you mm-hmm. know, pull make them pull a little uh, some tricks out of the hat. And that's generally as well when you make jokes at my expense. In yes. Spanish. Well, and, please. That's when you are your biggest. It's the biggest hit. You know, you are the biggest hit when you let me steer the ship. <laughs> So we, we'll be in some Mexican place and Hector will just start talking. And before I know it, everyone's laughing. I'm like, what was so funny? <laughs> like, I'll, tell you what's funny. I'll tell you what's funny. You speak French and German and not, not Spanish, you idiot. I'm and trying then, to... Oh, everybody laughs. Oh, I was oh yeah. yeah. So, I'm trying to arrange a marriage for you. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Finally get a lead and make me, make me tortillas at home. That would be amazing. There you go. I mean. So we have had a lot of adventures, Hector. We have. But a lot of adventures, many of them dangerous in places yes. like Laredo and North Dallas. Yes. Uh, South Dallas. So, South Dallas? Yes. Yeah. And uh, we've also done a tremendous amount of work together. And um, you know, we'll, we'll have some fun. I, I already t- so before we started rolling, Hector and I were talking. He's, he's in Laredo right now. No, El Paso. El Paso. With his pops who had some knee surgery. So I'm glad he's recovering well. Yes. And um, Thank you. Of course. And, um, you know, I, I told him right beforehand, we're going to have some fun on this one because we can now, because we don't have the thumb of mighty crane telling us that we're not allowed to tell jokes. That's <laughs> true. Don't tell jokes on the podcast. Oh my God. <laughs> but we're going to, <laughs> we're going to tell jokes and not wear Astros gear and actually enjoy, um, yes. recording, recording about USMCA. So, yeah. Uh, first things first, man. Um, the southern border. The last time you actually no time before last. Yeah, they were they were going to shut down the southern border. It was a total train wreck. The, the trucks are. How is like the 
the the flow of stuff down there how are things going business is booming right now i mean things are things are flowing fairly well you know i yeah. checked in with a couple of buddies of mine while i was in town just to kind of catch up on personal stuff and have a the opportunity to talk about just things they're seeing their opinion on on things that they're seeing and <clears throat> business is flowing you know people are uh staying busy in terms of getting trucks across the border and kind of uh, getting orders filled for, you know, last minute shopping and, and, you know, the push to close out the year. Uh, but, uh, you know, the overall consensus that I've, at least what I've uh, heard are people are very happy to be at this stage uh, where the agreement, you know, w- will be signed soon and, and put into effect. And people are very optimistic. Yes. Theoretically, yeah. Um, what about drivers, like shortages of drivers and that kind of a thing? Well, shortages of drivers, you know, that's going to continue. You know, there's, there, the lines are, I think, are normalized now. Uh, I don't think that we're seeing any crazy lines in terms of, uh, you know, what we were seeing when the, when the government was shutting down uh, some of the resources for the border. But uh, for right now, traffic is flowing and, and, and a lot of people that I've talked to are looking forward to 2020. Well, that's good, I suppose. Yeah. Um, uh, I keep looking at myself in the camera because um, I don't know if you can, can you, can you tell my beard it's a little bit darker? Uh, yeah, up top. What was going on up there? Well, I don't, see, I don't need the top to be darker, man. I need the bottom to be darker. I, um, I went, I went and I bought that because I'm getting vain. Yes. Like 50. Getting. Oh, getting. I'm so, yeah. so glad you're starting this journey. Thanks, man. Uh, I waters for you. Yeah, I know. It's so rare that I care. Right? <laughs> um, so I, uh, I got that, that like, um, you know, it slowly turns the gray, the, the right color. Oh, so, oh yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, I get up in the morning and I go to the gym, which I know is hard to believe. And then I come home and I, or whatever hotel I'm at. And then I, I've got it in plastic bags in case it spills everywhere. Yeah. And, you know, I, I follow the rules and everything. And uh, I was at my attorney this afternoon, and he's like, "What's up with your face, man? What are you talking about?" And he goes, "You got like, there's like black streaks on your shoes. I didn't wipe it off well enough today. To oh, oh no, it gets so much better. I took a shower this morning, Hector, at five thirty, and I went to the airport. I got on a plane. I flew back to Manchester. Apparently, with like, like, like I was trying to be Elvis with the black." Big old blotches on your skin. Yeah. yeah. So um, TSA must have been looking at you like, uh, what is up with this guy? I went to church today and dropped off my toy donations to talk to the priest for like 20. He was staring at me like there was something wrong. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) maybe Uh, I went and got groceries and people were looking. I'm like, what? Am I pretty all of a sudden? This is really working. No, no. I just looked like I was rolling in coal dust and I got oh. in my hair. So, uh, so part of me is thinking maybe I shouldn't use the, it's yeah. too powerful. It's too strong, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, it doesn't look bad. It just, you know, if you were, if you were trying to get the gray covered up on the bottom, you, you didn't do a good job. Well, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Well, okay. So it's getting a little bit better, but we'll, I don't know. We'll see over weeks. Cause if it doesn't, I'm just going to shave it off. Cause I, yeah, I feel like old man, Grizzly Adams, man. I'm like, Mr. Burn. Yeah. It's depressing. Well, I mean, I mean, I, listen, listen, I'm a lot of things. Pretty ain't one of them. <laughs> and, and, and I've had a long time to come to grips with that, man. I mean, yeah. I've had a long time to just get comfortable with the fact that I'm not winning any beauty pageants. Well, and, uh, 
That's yeah, okay. Feel free to jump in and disagree with me anytime. Like, <laughs> no, goes, nah, you're not that ugly. No, you're, actually no, you're right. Good. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. Shut up. I'm like, don't stress about entering the beauty contest. So you're, yeah. you're fine. Whatever. Yeah. So, so anyway, um, I'll stop staring at my beard. So USMCA this week. Uh, yeah. Big news. Yeah. Big monster news that the Democrats decided that they they can roll with some changed language in the agreement. Yeah. And change it they did. So there's a there's a couple of things that I really wanted to point out before we start talking about it. And the first is um, so what all free trade agreements moving forward have a lot more to do with duty minimization. Uh, probably have less with duty minimization. They have significantly more to do with things like um, human rights, environmental policy, intellectual property, and a couple of weird things in the USMCA. When it was first written, President Trump wanted to have a, um, which is President Trump, a lot of people, wanted to have a 10-year period before Canada and Mexico would be able to um, do generics of medication. Mm. Right now, it's at five years, and it's very specific on specific types. So they're uh, biologicals. And instead of doing um, a five-year mm-hmm. or a 10-year, you're doing a zero-year. zero-year. Yes. So there are a lot of folks who are concerned about IP because um, you just automatically generics. What's the big deal, right? Um, yeah. Then also there's all this labor stuff, which – Oh man. So I spoke at this automotive thing a couple of weeks ago and one of the guys from the USTR was up there talking about, you know, here's, here's what it's going to do for you with USMCA and all these automotive customs house brokers are like, wow, does anybody have a pitchfork that we can just impale this guy? Cause what people, $16 an hour is going to be the minimum requirement for auto certain auto parts manufacturers and auto manufacturers. Right. Yeah. And that comes with all kinds of problems. So first of all, somebody's got to go and do the research to make sure and for for compliance purposes. Yeah. Now, likely that research is going to be done by guys like me and you by the hours consultants, because I can't imagine. And then um, Mexico and Canada had a problem, had a big problem with American... um, American inspectors going down there, like, yeah, you know, for Department of Labor or whatever. Yeah. Um, Because they're a sovereign nation in case no one reminded President Trump about that one. (laughs) Um, So that was interesting that that everyone appears to be okay with that now. Um, Then the agriculture stuff. um, I'm a testament to how good we can grow crops in America. I mean, I am a stout man. I am a powerfully built stout man and that comes from decades of consuming incredibly well-produced american agriculture Uh, and uh you know there there is no shortage of incredible agricultural outcomes so are we just are we just wrapping up everything in the food chain under agriculture for this this state of this argument oh about me yeah 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 Yeah, i guess well i mean theoretically you know if it if it walked or came out of the ground it falls under agriculture hector okay good yeah, so um, th- that fascinates me as well because I feel like Canada is going to lose out on dairy, but I feel like American farmers on vegetables and fruits, yeah, are about to give up even more more ground on them. So I think it's going to be very interesting in terms of agriculture because I, you know, um, you know, there's a saying in Mexico that uh, you know when when uh, when the U.S. hits a um, a recession, it's like a cold. 
And if the U.S. gets a cold, Mexico gets the flu, right? So the, the ripple effect is, you know, much bigger in Mexico whenever there's a huge change. Um, you know, there, there's a, there are a lot of proud farmers. There's a lot of infrastructure that has been built and programs that have been designed that I've been a part of designing for, you know, largest retailers in the world in terms of, uh, you know, strategizing how they're going to source um seasons and seasons of fresh produce out of Mexico and, and South America. And, uh, you know, this, this, I, there was a lot of farmers that were very nervous and, and people were very excited about, you know, things kind of remaining kind of, you know, they, they're, they're very optimistic that things are going to just kind of, they're going to flow under the radar for them. I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. I think that there's too much at stake right now on the agriculture side of things. I think that's going to happen. I think you're going to see, uh, increased inspections. I think you're going to see American companies using the power of the Food and Drug Administration to get engaged to try to slow things down. Um, yeah. I'm just not convinced. Yeah. So um, that'll be fun to watch on, on that side of things. But from an economic perspective, uh, how do you think things in Mexico are going? I think things are going very well. There's a lot of companies that have re-engaged uh, with Mexico as a strategy for the future. Um, you know, for a long time, we, I know myself personally, I've been pushing the narrative of, uh, you know, being able to source, uh, from Mexico, uh, obviously for uh, business reasons, but, uh, just shortening the supply chain and making things more accessible and being able to react and pivot to the market whenever there's a need, you know, having your inventory in Mexico, I I've always felt was, um, a huge advantage to the consumer, uh, being able to fulfill your your clients' orders and, and giving them what they need, especially when you know things happen and there is a misshipment or something delivered incorrectly. Being able to react and take something uh, from just across the border and get it to your uh, client in in you know in their hands the next day is a very attractive offer, and, and it's not something that uh, that you know has been as easy to tame. Um, when, when sourcing out of Asia. Yeah. I think that the, the Mexican manufacturers above and beyond that have done really well from the trade war. And, um, yeah, I have a lot of conversations with folks where, where they say we're happy with the quality and yeah. we're happy with the supply chain and we're happy with the price. And we don't see things going sideways in Mexico like they did with China. So, yeah, I think that as long as the political and, uh, you know, uh, terroristic threats that could come out of, you know, the instability in Mexico. Uh, I think that's the biggest deterrent that they have. Uh, I think people have come to accept a certain, a certain level of quality, a certain level of uh, price point in terms of products and and being able to have uh, contract manufacturers and, and even, you know, manufacturers that are wholly owned and part of a company you know, react to things and kind of uh, uh, adjust to the market. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a very interesting time. Yeah, I agree. And I'm wondering, um, you know, pretty sincerely, how the transition is going to go with the expectations on labor, expectations on environment. Okay, so the, the, the timing on all this, Congress passes it, right? Okay. Right. And Ways and Means is okay with it. And then an implementation plan has to come from customs. Uh, and then the Senate's got to pass it too. Now, um, Mitch McConnell said that there'll be no signing of this agreement until after the impeachment hearings in the Senate, which um, 
I say a lot of crazy things all day, Hector. <laughs> but the fact that I've had to say like a dozen times since yesterday afternoon, oh, uh, USMCA is not going to go anywhere until the Senate passes it. And that's not likely to happen until after the impeachment trial in the Senate. Like that's normal for me to say, like that's just, oh yeah, we have an impeachment going on and that has a significant effect on whether or not this agreement is going to get passed anytime soon. So uh, wild think, times. Yeah. Oh, you would. Yo, you think? Yeah. Well, we don't talk about politics, Hector. Don't you start on me. Um, so it's a fascinating um, idea to think that best case scenario it could take as much as 24 months to get this thing. Oh, yeah. And in between that, we've got a presidential election. Who knows where that's going to go? Uh, and, and a volatile trade situation where every day I wake up to a tweet that can make my day or break my day, buddy. Yeah. Absolutely. So the only thing, the, in my perfect scenario, this agreement gets signed and there is a change, you know, the impeachment, whatever happens with the impeachment happens. And, and the only thing that changes, the only last detail changes is that they name it NAFTA 2.0. <laughs> that would be that, my friend. Yeah. USMCA, that could be a musical. It could be. Yeah, I, I could write that. USMCA is a preposterously stupid name. And yeah. the fact that they did it was completely unnecessary. The agreement's yeah. name was perfectly fine. Yeah. So that's that's why I want to keep it the change yeah. it to NAFTA 2.0. And here's what's interesting, right? So the, the left has always wanted these changes, and the labor unions want these changes. Yeah. Agriculture wants these changes, but it was a Republican president who pushed for it. So I guess we shouldn't be so shocked that it's moving as quickly as it is. Yeah. Um, but you know, but we got to give credit where credit's due because they came to the table and said, all right, let's do it. I mean, I think uh I think that a lot of Democrats probably consider this a huge concession. Like they are just like, okay, we're going to. Is it a concession though? Because their constituency on the left want it. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Whether it's the right thing to do or not is absolutely not the question. It should have. But very easily they could have said, no, we're not going to do it until after. They could have said, we're not going to do it until after the impeachment. All right. Well, one more thing that they're going to go into is um, sort of e-commerce and how we're going to deal with shipping packages across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, we have very, very different de minimis rules in Mexico and Canada. In the yes. US, up to 800 bucks. There are lobbyists that are currently actively trying to get it to two grand to come to America, which is ridiculous. Yeah. So um, I don't even know what the de minimis is in, in Mexico, but in Canada, it, I remember at one point it was like $35 or something stupid like that. Yeah. So I know it addressed e-commerce. Um, it certainly got a petroleum, but it, it comes, it falls back on something that hasn't been fixed. All right. And new free trade agreement. Great. We're all very impressed. Good for you. Good for you. Good for oh, you. Good for you. Uh, very impressed. But the problem I have is importers never did NAFTA right. Like, yeah. I, I don't Dan, Dan, the import man, you, all of us, we do these audits and people are claiming NAFTA all the time and they're not claiming it correctly. Yeah. You think just because something came from Mexico, it qualifies. They don't do regional value content. Right. Well, I think the biggest problem, Pete, is I think that uh, companies rely too much on the word of their suppliers. So if they are importing something and they, you know, whether it's a new SKU or a whole new vendor or whatever it is, they simply say, hey, I need that NAFTA certificate. Can you send it over and make sure that it's dated from this date forward? Yeah. yeah. And then they yeah. get it. And it's on file. And some patsy decides, hey, I'll, I'll sign anything. 
Yes. You said that thing to me. I'm on it, man. And then these people sign these things and they don't realize the kind of responsibility they've just taken on themselves. Right. Man, I I see it all the time. It's it's frustrating that people have that much trust in something they should have absolutely no trust at all in. Yeah, I mean, you know what, Pete, it's changed a lot, right? I mean, you want to talk about, you know, when we first started in this industry, you know, an export declaration was literally a rubber stamp on a performa invoice and then you shove it in a uh, in a mail booth on the way out of the you know out of the country and you know the truck crossed the border no one ever looked it's 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 a very different time and and you know we're i think we're going to continue to see things like this but you know a lot of this change should have happened a long time ago right yeah yeah i know it's it's fair I'm, i still think it's ridiculous that we're talking about paper documents you know, yeah. any sort of implementation rule should have something in it that says we can keep these electronically and you don't need them for everyone. You just have to prove it if somebody asks. Yeah. And the, the thing, you know, the, when you were talking about, uh, you know, some of the things that you were looking forward to uh, in the agreement and in the new version of the agreement, you know, I, I'm very interested to see what the unionizing, uh, the unionizing element does and, you know, how that will work in Mexico and, 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 and if it would work kind of the way unions are designed to work in the u.s i honestly i don't know people being at 16 bucks an hour i don't think they're a problem with the 16 bucks an hour i think that obviously the consumer will end up paying whatever it is wherever it is right if they source in mexico or if they end up sourcing in the u.s uh, you know in the end the price is going to go up yeah and it's going to affect you know at the at the register or in the checkout box. I don't want to date myself at the register, at the <laughs> checkout box. Oh, look at you all young. <laughs> in, in the PayPal screen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, two things that weren't addressed properly or they didn't really get into is, is the transportation of stuff across the southern border, the northern border. And that yeah. bugs the bejesus out of me. Because I don't care what you say, man. That That is a absolute goat rodeo moving stuff across the southern border yeah no it is it, are you were talking about the requirement that trucks from mexico uh that are if, if they are going to try to travel further than the the uh, uh existing soft line um they, you know they've got to meet higher like dot requirements right? right is that what you're talking about yeah I, you know i think i think that it's uh, I, I don't see any problem with it actually i think i i like this because here's what it's going to do i think it's going to separate the the pretenders with with the real deal right if you're going to say that you're in mexico if you're going to be doing business in mexico and providing drivers and equipment and you know uh, uh uninterrupted service and what i mean by that is you know, if, if, you know, it's the product isn't going to be transloaded, it's going to be going on the same equipment sealed and all the things that you, you know, are, are trying to secure a supply chain. It's going to make the, 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 the players that are trying to, you know, call on that type of business, they're going to have to step up. They're going to have to, you know, keep up with, you know, driver requirements and making sure the drivers are, are, you know, staying compliant and not, you know, tying one off on the weekend and screwing something up and, you know, end up doing something that they shouldn't do. And then, you know, jeopardizing, you know, uh, a company that is, you know, hiring a provider. There's just a lot of elements I think that, that are going to uh, make companies that are really about that life to step up and, and separate from, from the pack. Well, let's be realistic though, Hector, the, the likelihood that companies are not going to work in a, in a, 
corrupt environment in Mexico and get away with stuff. Yeah. With security and transportation safety and 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 driver rest, that is still a major concern, man. Sure, absolutely. But it's it's the it you know it's very easily it could be the concern on this end, right? If if companies in Mexico said, uh, you know, we're, we don't want to use any any American drivers that may have been caught, you know, moving drugs or whatever. You know, are you doing back check uh, background checks on your drivers and drug tests on your drivers? You know, the the requirements could very easily go the other way, right? But, you know, no one's ever kind of questioned the other on the other end. Oh, look at you getting all, like, nationalistic right now. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, first of all, yes. uh, many of those truckers have had background checks. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Second of all, yes. if they're in the FAST program, they've had se- severe background checks. Sure. And third of all, it's not so much the driver going down there. It's no American yeah. company is going to put equipment across that border. Because they're afraid it's going to get stolen, broken, ripped off. It have to have an insurance claim. <clears throat> well, you that's could argue with me, or you, or you could be one of the, it. or you could be one of the companies that's going to do it right and is going to invest, right? And let's say you develop a partnership with a company that is, you know, uh, that can complement the services that you're already providing, and all of a mm-hmm. sudden you're you are tying off the supply chain and making it more secure. Sure. And let's say that the Dodgers had won a World Series in the past 20 years, too. Because I'm not saying that the cheating scandal. <laughs> I'm not saying that it happens or doesn't happen. First I'm of all, saying- but, but let's be realistic. I just, I don't think that American companies are feel comfortable enough with an incredibly corrupt business practice or business world. And having their 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 uh, their their tractor trailers and their equipment go down there, I'm just I don't I don't see it happening anytime soon, man. I'm going to tell you like my father would say: the corruption in Mexico and the corruption in the U.S. is the same. The only difference is in the U.S. they give you a receipt. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. I'm glad <laughs> you came up with that. That's <laughs> that's ooh, from I, my dad. I feel so corrected now. I'm glad you did. <laughs> Um, right. So let's, let's move on a little bit here. Uh, yeah. so just to recap for everybody, um, USMCA appears to be on the precipice of being signed. Uh, Mexico, Canada, and the U S are in agreement about what it ought to be in it. It has significant changes to the requirements for production of automotives and parts, which will have a threshold. that's going to be very difficult for people to actually manage because it's going to, you have to prove that people are making a certain amount of money. Yeah. There are um, requirements now for environmental policy, and there's a change to intellectual property regarding pharmaceuticals. The biggest change to us, though, is uh, a newfound attitude towards electronic commerce and um, an agreement to be a little more to work with one another, more cooperative across that southern border. But as far yeah. as banning the tariff and including things, I mean, there, I don't know of any big differences, um, the things that might have had new, new tariffs put on one way or the other. Yeah, I haven't seen anything like that yet. Yeah. Uh, so, and just, you know, just to reiterate, NAFTA, from a compliance perspective, is something companies don't do very well at. And my best advice to them would be to pull their eye tracker, their ACE data, take yeah. a look at entries where they're claiming the preferential treatment of NAFTA, and then go pull the documents and see if you can prove whether or not it qualifies. Do you have the cert? I think you have to qualify that, the products, Pete, but I think a lot of times they're also going to have to verify did the brokers make that decision on their own? Right. Because I think in a lot of these analysis that we, I know that I've personally been involved in analyzing uh, iTrack data, you know, a lot of importers don't realize 
how much free reign their brokers might have, you know, without them actually knowing. And I think it's important for us to say that we're not, we're big fans of customers house brokers. And, yeah. you know, uh, a lot of times, and here's a great example, an HTS in the past has been claimed as being NAFTA eligible. Something changes or they don't have the documents anymore, but because yeah. it has been set up that way, they continue to claim it. And yeah, that, yeah. You know, that's that's negligence and it's an error and they should be held responsible for it. But the import of record has to do the work to prove whether or not that actually happened. So, yep. Um, but, you know, Pete, just like NAFTA, just like Drawback, you know, all of these programs can be very lucrative. There is a lot of money to be saved. There's a lot of money to be recovered. There's a lot of money to, uh, you know, uh, just compliance opportunities to make sure that they're doing things right. And it takes there's you need resources behind that. You need, you know, companies need to have, comp, you know, the support of their own staff. And then, you know, uh, you know, the partners that they have, either customs brokers, consultants and that sort of thing. Yeah. I, I just, again and again, I come across these things and I don't think people are taking it seriously and they take it seriously when they get in trouble. When they yeah. get a 29 and, and I don't know what enforcement is like in Mexico on NAFTA. I don't know if it's, if there's a it's of- the livelihood is much different, Pete, that, you know, the, the, uh, if, if a company, uh, you know, gets a selected for a, uh, you know, NAFTA audit or any audit, any customs audit and the SAT comes in, SAT is the Mexican customs, uh, group. If they come in and they do an inspection and they find, you know, errors in NAFTA, you know, the way things are being claimed and sort of things like that, I mean, they, they will lose their Emacs. You will lose the ability to manufacture goods without paying duty. It's huge. People don't play with that in Mexico. It's not something that they don't take that risk. And I think that people in America who are operating in Mexico would be shocked. Yeah. Understand just how I mean, everything about enforcement in Mexico is much, much tougher than it is. here. It's much tougher and there's a lot more blame to go around. So, you know, the, the Mexican importer, their Emacs will get held up. The Mexican broker could get their patente held up. I mean, there's it's just depending on how severe and how negligent, you know, they find the thing, but everyone's guilty until proven innocent. So, you know, automatically everything is put on hold and you got to figure it out. Well, in my experiences in getting in trouble in Mexico, I was never innocent until. <laughs> yes. And for those of you who do not know what a pedenta is, I believe that's the brokerage Patente. license. Patente. Yeah, it's a yeah, broker's license. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> you love when I do that. Because I, I, have, I, I've never, been, I've never bothered. I need to learn. Well, because <laughs> you'll learn. We're going to teach you Spanish while we. Go on a road show, our taco road show. A taco road show? Yes. Yeah. And then that's this, this the is this is one of the best ideas we've ever had was to yeah. uh, travel all over Mexico, the southern border and the US, going to Mexican restaurants and taco places. Yes. A Volkswagen microbus. Yes. Um, it would be entirely in Spanish. Yes. Subtitles. And the whole yeah. point, I am oblivious to what's going on and being said around me and yes. all the jokes and everything funny is, and I have, I have no idea. I love it. Yeah. And I'm in. we go into the um, kitchens and learn from the people who are cooking, how they did it and how they yeah. do it all. Put, put the link to the GoFundMe here so that we can, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Kickstarter. Yeah. How about you go fund my fees instead? Definitely a lot better. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, uh, what is uh, so SAT is the Mexican Customs Authorities. Yeah. And what is SAT? How do you uh, what What is the? It's an acronym, and if you had not asked me, I would have probably spouted it off. Um, All right, then we'll just pretend like you don't know it. 
Yes. Okay. Or do that. We're just going to question your uh, validity as a subject matter expert. On yes. Please do. Mexico. Cool. Yeah. Yes. I'm having a lot more fun doing it this way than when we used to do it because we could actually just talk and enjoy ourselves. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm happy about that. Now, uh, you are one of my favorite people to talk to. We Thank do you. it a lot. Um, for yes. those people, Hector and I rarely go a day without texting or calling one another because we yes. have a type of loving relationship. Yeah. Um, and you have a fascinating backstory about how okay. you ended up in this. Well, I think it's fascinating about how you ended up in this stupid business. So yeah. So I'll talk about it. What so happened, man? I, it was funny. I graduated high school and, uh, so let's was, that Hector did in fact graduate from high school. I did. I graduated no, high school. No matter what you've heard from people, <laughs> he is absolutely graduated from high school. <clears throat> so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do before school started. And a buddy of mine, uh, told me to come by and, and, uh, you know, come apply at this place where he had gotten his job at. Cause it was great. And he was uh, having a good time and he wasn't doing much. So I said, yeah, sounds perfect. Let's go check it out. <laughs> I can and, do that. Yeah. Can do that. Yeah. I got hired to work for a, 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 a Southern, a, a U.S. customs broker on the Southern border named Rudolph Miles and Sons, who was a very big player on the Southern border at one time and eventually got bought out by UPS Supply Chain Solutions. Uh, but I worked there for about two years and I, I was, you know, started doing everything from, you know, courier service type stuff. And, um, you know, uh, probably the, the biggest job I had, you know, the first year was I was in charge of all of the stevedores that we had at the Sleta cargo facility. That's uh, the, probably the biggest, uh, border crossing point in El Paso. Uh, so all these trucks are coming through, they get selected for exam or there's questions on the paperwork. And then they would, you know, yell out the broker name and you'd go over there with your little clipboard and your radio and figure out, you know, they wanted to inspect the whole thing or, you know, uh, offload a lane on the left side or find me this skew. I want to find this skew. And, and you just kind of helped organize the, you know, facilitate the exams and, and, you know, get the inspectors to kind of, um, you know, work with you and, 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 you know, be able to get stuff moving as quickly as possible and hopefully not get anything seized. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Hey, if you don't hold that camera steady, I might throw up all over my laptop. Oh, sorry. 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 No, you're not that sorry. <laughs> not uh, that sorry. So how did you end up working for one of the biggest freight forwarders and customs house brokers in the world? So uh, Ford, uh, Ford had, had all their business with Rudolph Miles and Sons. So I was in charge of clearing these nightly charters that they were flying in from Chihuahua, GM, Ford, all of these um, large uh, automotive companies were chartering aircrafts at night uh, every evening for all of their production facilities. And this stuff was, you know, touching the ground in El Paso, we were clearing it. And then it was flying directly to Cleveland and delivering to the Ford plant in Cleveland. I mean, it was just engines, auto glass, you know, electrical stuff. I mean, there was all sorts of things uh, that they were manufacturing. And when Rudolph Miles and Sons lost that business to expediters, expediters had to open up shop. They hadn't, they didn't have any presence along the Southern border. And I was recruited out to come uh, help them open up these offices. And I uh, worked for 15 years at expediters throughout six or so different offices. And 
Yeah, it was a good time, man. It was uh, the southern border really shaped uh, how I saw things. And then, you know, once getting in, uh, moving to, you know, other parts of the world and, and seeing how business is handled, not just on the border, you know, and being able to come back and still dabble in border business, but, you know, still being able to do, you know, stuff in Asia or, you know, Africa, Europe, all sorts of places and, and you know, really trying to tie it all together is really cool. You have a great metaphor about growing up on the border, about how yeah. no one really accepts anybody on the border. Yeah. So, you know, it's funny because it's not until you leave the border that you really realize, you know, how different it is, right? And on the border, at least in El Paso, you know, the 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 majority, like over 90% of the population here looks like me, right? They're brown. They're of Mexican descent. There's a lot of brown people around. And it's not until I left the border that I realized that I was um, not, I was in fact a minority, right? This was the first time I was a minority when I left at 20 years old. So uh, what I realized is when, when you grow up on the border and I would go into Mexico to visit relatives and see them and kind of, you know, you kind of see your second or third cousins, people that you know that you're related to, but you don't see them very often and you're having conversations and you realize, you know, how different life is just across the border from each other. I wasn't, I wasn't Mexican enough for any of my Mexican family, right? They always looked at you as a pocho. Pocho is a slang word for, uh, you know, uh, somebody who uh, looks like this, but, uh, you know, it thinks and talks like a white guy or, or, you know, white, a Caucasian person that's not really in tune with their, you know, with their roots or whatever. Did, did so, you just use Mexican slang that's going to get me uh, unmonetized <laughs> on YouTube? No, nothing, nothing too serious. It's not, uh, I don't think it's an insult yet, but you know, this may not age very well. And in five years, we might have to take it down. Oh man. We'll never, we'll never have our own sketch. <laughs> Maybe not. Yeah. And then in America, nobody accepted you because you were not American yeah. enough because you were poor. So then I leave, I, you know, and then I leave, you know, the comforts of the brown community and you go somewhere else and, you know, they think, you know, uh, are you in this? You know, I had somebody when I lived in Atlanta and I had somebody ask me if I was in this country legally. And I never had anybody ask me that question. You should have said, no, I'm, I'm from Texas. And as far as I'm concerned, I'm, you know, <laughs> that would have been bad because I, I would have said something. That would have been. Uh, yeah. Listen. I mean, it took me to get to Georgia before I met my, in the first time I met a Jewish person. That's crazy. It, it, it baffled me for a long time that being Jewish is considered a religion. Like it's a religion and it's like a race. Yeah. Well, so you, you could gotta, be Jewish and not be practicing and still be treated. All right. Well, let's, let's back it up a little bit. Okay. So we are, we are both, I was, we were both born in the great state of Texas. Yes. And uh, I'm a bit older than you. Yes. I'm still prettier, but I'm older than you. Okay. And I, I thought that everybody had Mexican food. Yeah. Like I thought it was just normal that you would, you would like, what are we going for dinner tonight? Yeah. We're going for dinner and we're just going to eat Mexican food. I, I, I don't remember too many times going out with my mom and dad that we didn't go to some total baller Mexican place and just like, or Tex-Mex, it wasn't Mexican. Yeah. And just go off. And then- yeah. You know, I move up to the Northeast with my family and it just sucked. Like there was nothing to eat up here. And then at the same time, there were no Mexican people in New Hampshire when I was yeah. a teenager. And, um, but growing up in Texas, everybody I knew, because I was Catholic, was Mexican. Yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, my, my father and mom being pretty left to center. And um, 
being from the Northeast, that was kind of the way it was, man. It's, you know, we were surrounded by, but like, and then I go to New England and I'm like, where have bagels been my whole life? Yeah. And, oh, is this what pizza is supposed to taste like? Because it sucks in Texas. <laughs> it still sucks. And I don't care what you say. We are never going to a good pizza place in Dallas. The, the only thing Dallas has that blows me away. Maybe I'm, I'm letting my root show here. Yes. Show. But barbecue. I cannot stand it when anyone from the Carolinas or, or like Georgia's like, you guys don't know what barbecue is. I'm like, I will yes. punch you yes. in the mouth if you talk yes. smack about Texas barbecue. Texas I will, barbecue. I will throw Absolutely. you and I will choke you if you say anything crazy about my beloved barbecue. I think there is nothing pure, pure than brisket. Oh. Smoked brisket. There's no. I haven't, had, I haven't had dinner yet, and it's like seven forty-five. Here. Don't <laughs> don't do that to me. Yeah, well, we're we're gonna go to Austin. Yeah, and we are gonna we're gonna take like two or three days, and we are just gonna eat barbecue. Yeah, and possibly have a heart attack. Yeah, uh, on those two or three days. But I am so excited to just go eat barbecue because when we go to Heart Eight, or we go to barbecue places and or taco places, we're even worse at taco places. Anywhere we go, that's true. We get so much food. Yes. So how well, are we gonna go to these? a bomb barbecue joint in Austin be like, no, we're just going to get sample to taste it. And then we're going to get <laughs> back in the car and we're going to drive to the next because we don't want to over. <laughs> I think honestly, I think the trick is like, if we were going to do it is that we have to eat before we go. Stop it. And then film getting sick, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I, I'm like a goldfish when it comes to brisket. I will eat it until I'm dead. I will keep yeah. eating it. You got to take it away from me. Yes, so much, and I don't like. Okay, you know, pulled pork and yeah, turkey. It's okay, Ooh, I don't care. That's fine. Brisket, baby. Brisket. I, I need brisket. I need a yeah. big pile of it with some beans yeah. and about nine thousand. Yes. So listen, I am not kicking you out of be out of bed for eating crackers if you bring some baby back ribs into this conversation, <laughs> but. All I'm saying is we're open-minded. you can't go wrong with yeah. we're, we're open-minded to your barbecue filth. Don't get us wrong. Yes. We're yes. not um we're not we're not quite that awful people, but uh it better be brisket. And then on tacos, uh I just I always let you just take care of it. You're like, yes. what do you food for? You want some crazy and yeah, it's like you know, get some lingua and some barbacoa and some pasta. Yeah. Before you know it, we've got like 25 tacos in front of yes. us. Um but you took me to some place last time. Yes. Some crazy stuff. Do you remember? I mean, it called? had like uh, squid and octopus good, and too. calamari and tilapia. There was a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think it was uh, Tacos Mariachi. I think that's the it place is the that name we of went it. to. That was the name was of it. Was yeah. And it's a San Diego style uh, taqueria. Um, so it was, you know, yeah, it's pretty good. The seafood aspect was really delicious. There was one we had that had kimchi in it. It was like Korean. Yes. That was so awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's and be then, then we went to this bar and um, our waitress who was, who otherwise, or no, bartender, otherwise was a very attractive young lady. Yes. Had some interesting things going on with her eyebrows. And the best well, way to describe it, but go ahead. It's the angry birds phenomenon. That's yes. right. The red I don't, bird. I the, don't understand why. I, I don't understand why. I don't, I've never, ever had one of my guy friends tell me, man, did you see her eyebrows? <laughs> she was hot. 
So, <laughs> ladies, you're doing it for the other ladies because that's, that's the true. only other people that are impressed by this. But it looks like not two pieces necessary. of uh, what was that? That flexi seal. It looks like she painted <laughs> two pieces of flexi seal on her eyebrows. Yes. And and the thing about it was, so we're having drinks and we're having beers. And it's getting kind of late. We have to like, take this woman seriously. Yes. It's like me with the beard, like me walking around with the with the stuff all over my face. I wouldn't expect anyone to take me seriously. You should have done your eyebrows. I should do my <laughs> eyebrows. And, uh, you know, whenever, whenever she would come over, we'd look at her like, whoa. <laughs> we couldn't believe it. I'm quite sure she was laughing at the two of us, too. I would laugh. She also looked she, like she could beat us up. Yeah, and, she like, did. And still like make a drink on the other hand, like yeah, it, like was, it's not like not not a lot of effort. Yeah, she was a pretty tough looking lady, but um, I just don't I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Yeah. Leave your eyebrows alone. I mean, don't get me wrong, bro. Do a little work there, but uh, yeah. Oh, good God! So I'm coming to Dallas uh, in a couple Friday. days, Friday, yeah. um, to see your wife, not to see you, of course. Uh, Hector's wife is also a custom house broker. I'm very fond of her. Her name is Yvette. Yeah. Uh, what was the vet's name before she got married to you? Figueroa. Figueroa. That's right. Yeah. Figueroa. And uh, you have three beautiful daughters. Yes. And we are all with my, am I bringing my daughter? You're bringing your daughters. I'm very excited about this. Oh, Hector, she has never met my family in Texas. This is so exciting. I don't know how excited I am. Um, you know, I have, I have two very different sides to my family in Texas. I have the, very devout Southern Baptist. Nothing is funny. Yes. Um, you know, and, and I love them. I love them. I need to make that very clear. I love them all. And then I have the other side of my family, which is yeehaw. How many beers can we shovel down our throats? Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. side of my family. And, um, you know, my daughter has grown up most of her life on the seaside of New England. You know? Yes. Mother, could I have some more tea? You know, like, you're not taking her to Abilene, though, right? No, we're going to Middleothian okay. and uh, Fort Worth, but we are. So she's already said to me, "Can we go to Abilene?" And and I and I don't, I don't want to go back to Abilene, Texas, man. Yeah, you know, it's just it's tough for me to go there in Lubbock. I'm not a big fan of going back out there. I know it's where I'm from. I know it's, I know ultimately yeah. who I am. But Mac Davis said it best: "Happiness is Lubbock, Texas, in your rearview mirror." And I know the end of that song gets all like, oh, you know, oh, it's yeah. so beautiful, Lubbock. No, no, Lubbock is not beautiful. Lubbock is where you go when you can't get into Texas A&M, man. That's what's up with Lubbock. <laughs> so, um, anyway, I'm excited to see you and the girls. I'm interested to see what the four of them do. Yeah, so, I'm really excited. I was so I told you this. I, I, we, uh, we are in the middle of I'm making my kids watch all of the star Wars yeah, movies. This was, yes. this was part of my agreement to get the Disney plus. Why said I would do it. Well, because here's the thing. Plus. Don't be a jerk. I, it, they got it. Listen, I'm not there this week. I'm sure they're what they're, I'm sure they're having free rate, but I had to get them to agree to it because I wanted them to kind of like, exp- I did the same thing a few years ago uh, for father's day uh what do you want to do i said i want mom to make pasta and i want to drink wine and eat pasta and watch movies all day and we watched the the first we watched three iron man movies okay and then and then we went to wikipedia and then we went down the list 
and saw every Marvel movie that's come out since 1990, whatever. Well, you do have the greatest Halloween costumes ever when you were all the Avengers. Yes, the and Avengers and Inside and, Out and yeah. Nuns and yeah. yeah. I mean, this is uh, it's exciting stuff. We did the Adams Family this year, so I just want it's it's the one time they don't they they don't watch a lot of sports. I don't watch a lot of sports other than baseball. Um, yeah, baseball's plenty, dude. Yeah, I know. Uh, tr- yes, trust me. I can't right now. Everyone's freaking about about USMCA and playoffs uh in the nfl and i'm worried about the winter meetings winter meetings and yeah. what the hell are they doing and screw garrett cole did you, you know? see how much he got oh my god dude oh. 324 million for nine Ooh. years though he's gonna be 38 when that expires he can still pitch it can he yeah, i, bet I he don't can. know he's not real durable i guess but i can god he's got an arm it's oh. just a long time for anybody with an arm like that. Like it's not yeah. this history is not on your side, bro. Well, who's the one who's still getting paid? Is it it's not Bobby Bonilla? Bobby Bonilla. Is it him? Like, it is Bobby Bonilla. <laughs> <laughs> like um, clockwork. I think yeah. it's like August 1st. He gets that million dollar check. The amount of, of brain power that goes into these contracts. You're like, okay, here's how we're going to make it work. Right. Yeah. You're going to be in contract for 59 years. Yeah. And for the last 20 of those, we're going to pay you like a bag of Doritos and a hundred bucks a week. Yeah. Just the, the well, I saw there, there was, I saw a thing they were talking about the Strasburg contract and they're saying that uh, I think Washington had to defer like $145 million of his contract. That's amazing. Like they have to defer, they have to load it on the back end. And he's up there already. He's not young. Yeah. Well, yeah. Strasburg is in better shape than, uh, then Garrett Cole, I think. I think Garrett Cole's 29. I think Strasburg is 27, oh, I think. But see, this is what it's like. So all, all of us, when we work together, uh, this is all we talk about is baseball. So yeah. um, I, I know I'm wearing my Nats hat, but I'm a devout Red Sox fan. And yes. a Dodgers fan. It made for a very, made for a very, very uncomfortable World Series a few years ago. Yes. Uh, um, Dan is a Giants fan, and you guys yeah. argue about – about baseball all the time um yeah it's it's just weird how baseball i don't argue with dan i just tell him how it is and then he decides to say something back or not i don't know i don't listen but yeah he's not here to defend himself so it's true the two of you do argue about the only thing that i can tell you that we uh uh, that i can tell you that i 1000 percent agree on with dan swartz okay is Madison Bumgarner should not be pitching for the dodgers no he should not (laughs) and if he lands on the dodgers it's gonna be I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Well, before this devolves into Pete and Hector talk about sports, which would still yes. be fun. I think so. Uh, yeah. I am, I am greatly looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Me too. Thank you so much for coming on. I absolutely love hanging out with you, but I have three Likewise. questions. Yes. That I ask every guest. All right. Let's do All it. Right? Yeah. Question number one. First car you ever had. I know the answer to this too. First car yeah. you ever had that was yours. Mm-hmm. What was it and what happened to it? It is, it was a 1946 Chevy two-door sedan. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was a beautiful canary yellow, had Boyd racing wheels on it. It was louder than any other car that on the block it resulted in, you know, getting fined for it. But the, it, it was a, an, a beautiful car, very fast. But, you know, I was, uh, I bought it with, I, I bought it with my own money. Uh, I bought it off of uh, one of my uncles 
And uh, it just was a money pit. I mean, it was not a great car for a junior in high school. Uh, it was great for getting attention from the ladies, but it was not uh, very cool for, you know, pumping money into it. Like it was just, you know, it got expensive. So I ended up having to get rid of it and, you know, move on to something else more practical. What did you buy after that one? I bought a 1992 Ford Thunderbird. It was used. It had a moonroof. It was that yes. is a quick ride, man. Yes, that sir. Okay. Um, next question. First job you ever had that actually gave you a paycheck. What was the job and how much did you make? All right. So I worked for, it was very interesting. So I was 14 and in the state of Texas, you had to be 16 to get a job, uh, you know, like a real job. And a, a really good friend of mine uh, was a manager at a pizza joint called Peter Piper Pizza, who I still argue has great pizza, even for you. No. Uh, yeah, well, we'll try it one day. Uh, and um, I had to go to the Texas Workforce Commission and I had to plead that I had a hardship case. So they would give me paperwork on my 15th birthday. They gave me paperwork that allowed me to work something like 20, a max of like 25 hours a week. And I worked at a pizza joint and I made the minimum wage was probably like $3 and a quarter or something. And I did that until, uh, until, you know, I probably went to work for another pizza joint after that. I was really moving the ranks. You were, you were <laughs> running up the ranks of the pizza game. I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to say I'm a big deal, but, uh, okay. I did, I okay. may have made the first calzone at Peter Piper pizza. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we have some, it's well documented. We have proof. We got a picture. It's <laughs> yes. up on the wall at Peter Piper Pizza. <laughs> yes. uh, okay. Okay. Third question. If you were not in the industry of logistics and you could do yeah. anything, anything, yeah. Yeah, I mean, anything, regardless of the fact that you are not athletically gifted yes. um, or funny or interesting, what yes. would be the job, like the greatest job that you could have had that you can think of? Um, it's funny that you should say that because I have that predicament on my lap as we talk about this. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, if, if, you know, money was not a concern and it was just doing what I'd love to do, I'd love to help kids. I'd love to help, uh, especially kids that have special needs. I really have, uh, a huge connection to the special Olympics and, uh, the type of of, of uh, athletes that go through uh, the the Special Olympics, I worked a lot with with kids in that um, realm. Uh, you know, I think that that I probably want to do something that made me feel good about you know the helping people and things like that. Uh, I've thought mm -hmm. about you know medical stuff and things like that, but you know I really enjoy affecting people and 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 helping make their lives better. So maybe a teacher or a coach or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that would be great. All right. Yeah, I can dig it, man. You know, most guys say like astronaut or baseball player. Yeah. Here's Hector trying to save mankind. Trying to save mankind. I think it's probably because of, you know, everything that, you know, going on today. But, you know, if it wasn't for that, I, I mean, I don't know if I, if I had like thinking about something, uh, I would probably want to work for the Dodgers. On purpose? Probably. Yes. On purpose. Uh, it's, it, that would be, yeah. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we will have you back on uh, sooner than later, Hector. I lost you on video, but we'll have you Sorry. back on and we can talk about when you met Magic Johnson and we can talk yeah. about a lot of other very cool stories. But thank you for coming on. I hope Absolutely. your dad's recovering well and thank I will you. see you in a couple of days. Thanks, buddy. For, uh, for Trade School, um, brought to you by the World Trade Centers. Um, if you have any questions or you're looking for assistance, whether you're a large importer, exporter, or a small importer, exporter, uh, World Trade Centers is the best place to go to get that support. There's probably one in your local area. All of our technical and production assistance is given to us by Cap Logistics. Uh, Cap Logistics is a fine organization, and you can get to their website on the information tab for this podcast. Thanks for joining us on Trade Geek, and we'll see you again soon.